This week on Emerge Mobile First, a conversation with Jeannie Mullen, Global Chief Marketing Officer at Mercer. We had a fundraiser at my Catholic grade school and everybody was selling the traditional brownies and chocolate chip cookies and I just wanted to do something different that would make people excited and happy. So I thought, why not make fortune cookies? Welcome to Mobile First. You'll find bonus tools, expanded information, and key takeaways on our website, EmergeMobileFirst.com. For a quick and effective way to level up your mobile strategy, again, that's EmergeMobileFirst.com. Jeannie is Mercer's Global Chief Marketing Officer, focused on building a more agile and transparent marketing operation that's accountable for driving revenue growth through demand creation and strong brand reputation. She believes in leveraging innovative and digital initiatives to help achieve her goals, and her background in education fuels her passion to inspire both consumers and the teams she works with. Prior to her role at Mercer, Jeannie was head of marketing and growth for Barnes & Noble, where she drove the transformation of the Nook business from hardware to app-based. Her previous experience includes launching the world's first digital newsstand for Zinio, growing the business to more than 20 million active consumers. She also launched and ran the global digital dialogue business for Ogilvy and Gray Direct's global email marketing business, establishing the world's first email marketing practice inside an advertising agency. Jeannie holds a master's degree in teaching from the University of Pittsburgh, a recognized woman in business, and an entrepreneur. She has authored three books and launched five companies, including Ringblitz and Email Experience Council. Jeannie was recently named Networker of the Year by the Internet Marketing Association and is the chairwoman of their women's leadership group. She also serves as the board of Marketing Edge and as an advisor for select high potential startups. Jeannie, thank you for joining us. I'm really excited to have you here. It's great to be here with you as well. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, definitely. So before we we dive into the strategies and the tactics, I'd like to spend just a little time understanding your perspective and what makes you tick, because I think this really helps to provide that personal context when we actually dig in throughout the episode. So first off, I know you've been pretty entrepreneurial minded for some time, but even back to grade school where you had a cookie success and not just your average cookie, but fortune cookies. So what's the story behind that? Oh, goodness. Well, you know, it's really interesting and I'm laughing because you asked a question from so long ago, but it's a, it's a great story. Since I've been little, one of the things that has really made me happy is when I can inspire other people. And I've really enjoyed teaching people new tricks or initiatives or things that they really didn't know how to do. In addition to that, I really love helping people. So I'm always looking at new and innovative ways to just make people happy. And I think for the years that I've been in business, it's come in really handy because that sincerity and genuine interest in inspiring others um, really helps when you're looking to develop others in your organization or even corral a team and get them excited about moving forward together and driving results. So in seventh grade, we had a fundraiser at my Catholic grade school and everybody was selling the traditional brownies and chocolate chip cookies. And I just wanted to do something different that would make people excited and happy. So I thought, why not make fortune cookies? So my friend and I sat around and made fortune cookies. If you ever have made them before, it's 
pretty simple. It's like making pancakes. But back when I was in seventh grade, we didn't have computers. They were just coming out. So we were either typing the fortunes on a typewriter or we were handwriting them. And that took the longest time. Needless to say, bringing fortune cookies into the bake sale went over phenomenally well. And the entire PTA association and the school was so excited that they asked us to make fortune cookies for the entire school. Not being able to say no and always willing to accept a challenge, I wanted to find a way to make this happen because I thought it'd be a great opportunity to inspire everyone else in my class to do something, taking it to the next level to help with the fundraisers that we were doing. So, of course, I said yes without realizing that this meant that now I was going to have to sit down and handwrite or <laughs> type hundreds of fortunes. And thinking about what those fortunes are was hard enough, but then actually handwriting and typing them down was insane, especially when you're in seventh grade and, and you're pretty young and, and doing something for more than you know a short period of time seems like forever. So I had to be really entrepreneurial and think about how do I accomplish this goal that I've already committed to? It's for a really great cause, and there's going to be a really really fantastic turnout at the end. So what I decided to do was what every other entrepreneur does when they're trying to create change or create a movement, which is to engage my friends and family for a good reason, all with you know small requests for their time and commitment. But I really pulled a team together that was very happy to come in and take a piece of the production line and started to kind of organize the different areas and efforts and, and really started to oversee the team that created significant amounts of happiness and change within the organization. And I think, you know, that story, while it is silly, has really resonated with me because it has enabled me to focus on teamwork and the impact that change management and creating kind of a force in an organization requires. So there's my fortune cookie story. Oh, man, what a cool experience, too, as a sounds grader, right? Oh, yeah, right? Well, you know, I, I still remember the painstaking attempt at me sitting down to manually try and do all of this myself. So similar to what happens when you grow up and become an entrepreneur, you, you have to live through the, the really challenging, terrible times where you're thinking, why in the world did I do this to get to the reward? But in the end, it, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. And so this is something I definitely want to keep an eye on through our conversation. But this idea of you wanting to do something different and then it correlated to a massive success. I mean, it sounds like you blew the socks off of all the other brownie and cookie sales that were taking place there so much so that the school said, well, we got to now bring this to the entire school. And so you took a risk to do something different and it paid off in a huge way. And then you figured it out how to bring a team together to execute at a different level. And so I thought that was really interesting. Maybe even spending like some, a little time, what caused you to want to do that? And has that been a theme that you've carried on through your career? Oh, completely. You know, I think I've always loved problem solving and looking at ways that I can bring improvements to, again, like I said, you know, make people happy, reach an end goal, change the world or, or change an initiative for the better. So I'm also a very practical person. So whenever I get involved with anything new, first of all, I love a challenge. So if there's an opportunity to grow something, to improve something, to enhance the way that something works, you know, that's really what gets me excited, even creating something new that doesn't exist, which speaks to why well, I've had five businesses in the past. So looking at the way that 
I can make an impact on the future for an organization is really important to me. And I love to just very practically understand what's happening, what's going to be happening in the future, where are there opportunities for efficiencies that give an organization the ability to grow at a much faster rate or a much larger level. And then how do you empower and inspire the teams that can make that change to really understand the tremendous impact that they're having on the rest of the world by agreeing to do this work? I think the reality is that all of us, most of us, you know, have to work for a living for a number of years and, and nobody wants to come into a job where they feel terrible about getting up every day and going into their organization. They want to do something that they can be proud of. And mm-hmm. whether that's being the best accountant or whether it's being the best actuary or whether it's being the best investment consultant, it doesn't matter. If you can be the best at what you're doing, you are most likely having a positive impact on the lives of others by by doing a good job. So, you know, that change management piece and the transformation piece comes with the opportunity for people that work with me as part of a team to realize their potential and also have a greater positive impact on the people, their clients that they're influencing on a day-to-day basis. I want to carry this energy into Mercer so that we can dig right into how you're applying this because I think that everyone's feeling just the excitement right now. So for those who may not know what Mercer is, can you give us a a quick description of who you are and what you do? Mercer is a very large global organization. We've got about 22,000 employees, and what we focus on is working with companies to enable solutions around the health of their employees, their wealth management, whether that's investments or retirement solutions, and their careers, whether it's looking at employee engagement, mobility, career frameworks, or, or things along that nature. So we're kind of like, the intel inside for HR companies or CEOs that are looking at transformation as we get ready for the workforce of the future. And it's a phenomenal organization because when you look at who we impact, we work with companies to enable their employees to live a better life. So whether that means they're choosing better healthcare solutions or they're investing their retirement funds smarter or whether they're just able to manage their career more proactively. When we come to work every day, the things that we do at Mercer not only enable employers to be better employers for their employees, but they allow us to reach employees and give them the tools and the insights to create a better life, not just for them, but for their families as well. And that's probably one of the most powerful and just heartfelt jobs that that you could have. So very fortunate to be in this role. Yeah, how cool. And I like how intricate and complex I imagine as well, just dealing with people, which are complex, but then on the organization level, how you connect everything. And I imagine Mercer itself is pretty complex with some pretty interesting interdependencies. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about Mercer and the role you play by maybe getting a description on how things are organized internally so that we can get a better sense of how the teams work together to create this transformation for other for other teams and then maybe how some of this information flows across the organization. My role at Mercer is I'm the global chief marketing officer. So what my job is 
is really focused in, in two very specific areas. You know, what we focus on in marketing is increasing the brand visibility for Mercer so that employers and employees that are out there understand that there is a resource who can assist them with providing great services to their employees and, and great support. And the second one is, is helping to drive growth for the products and solutions set that we have. So, you know, I have a few hundred people around the globe that report to me, and we work very closely with our business partners across our health business, our wealth business, and our career business to really make sure that the products and solutions that we develop are articulated appropriately and that we're doing a good job at at building relationships with employers and, and giving them the insight and the inspiration that they need to make a change with the way that they're managing their employee base, and and that's globally. So we prefer to market ourselves as partners, as almost a strategic partner to our clients rather than a vendor or a solutions provider because reality is in the world today with technology changing as rapidly as it is and with seven or eight generations actively working in the workforce right now because people are living longer and they're staying healthy longer. The way that work is managed today is very different and it's continuing to change. When we look at what's happening, what's coming up with cobots in the workplace with you, automated assistance, AI, artificial intelligence, robots, you know, taking over different types of production jobs or or other types of, of roles in the organization, and then the impact of technology in other areas like enabling 3D printing, which would enable people to produce materials locally and not have to do global transportation anymore. The, the workforce that we live in is very different and continues to change on a consistent basis. So at Mercer, you know, we're staying out in front of all those trends around how you can afford to live longer and yet still have enough funds to retire and enjoy your life, how you can be healthier longer, how you can manage a career. You know, in today's world, I think our children, if we had children right now, our children would definitely live to be close to, if not over 100 years old. And if you think about you and I, even though we're very entrepreneurial and probably started working when we were three, you know, most people start working when they're 20. So if you start working when you're 20 and you're going to live to be 100, imagine how many years you potentially could be working. Right. In the old world, you went, you went to work at 20. You retired between 55 and 65. You didn't live much beyond that. And so it was a pretty finite time period. But now, if you're not going to retire until you're 80 or 90, do you start work when you're 20? You know, how does employer create an engaging environment for you? Do you work from home? Do you work in the, I mean, there's all these questions around the workforce, the workplace of the future, just the employee of the future, what they're looking for at all these different ages. And it's a really exciting time for Mercer to be engaged in all those conversations as a partner with our clients around the world. So cool. And so you mentioned two things that you're responsible for is the brand visibility and then the growth of product and services. I'd like to maybe focus on the growth of for the product and services and maybe understand a little bit of, I'm sure there's so many offerings that Mercer has, just the size of the company, maybe focusing on that one or two that you're primarily focused on. Is there one or two that you're primarily focused Okay. It's really interesting because uh, in this role, part of my responsibility 
in achieving these two targets is also to look at how we can create a, a sense of digital transformation within marketing. And if you look at most B2B professional services or consulting services companies, marketing tends to be a little more traditional than cutting edge. You know, and there's a lot of opportunities for us to take things to the next level and integrate some of the best practices or some of the coolest initiatives that we see in the B2C side of the house or in the B2C world into what we're doing on a daily basis from a business to business perspective. And so part of what we do is is we look at how we can integrate a digital strategy into everything that we do. And I've been seeing a lot of reports, whether it's from Sirius with our latest CMO study for B2B or brand innovators that went out and talked to the top 100 women in brand marketing roles. Everybody seems to be talking about the same types of trends and a lot of what we're also focused on putting into place at Mercer. And I think user experience is is leading the way. We are very careful to create marketing programs, regardless of the product or solution, that match our clients' needs and create a user experience that works seamlessly, that isn't even necessarily mobile first anymore as much as it is kind of digital first because it could be seen on a mobile device. It could be seen from a cloud connection. It could be seen from a desktop connection. It it has to be a comprehensive, seamless digital experience where you start a transaction in one place and finish it up in another. So we look at user experience quite a bit, and we also look at integrating and testing out new technologies, whether it's micro-segmentation driven by some artificial intelligence or you know, integrating chatbots into our marketing initiatives and, and looking at leveraging some of the insights behind the scenes to create a, a better and enhanced experience. There's a lot of new technology out there that can create more efficiency and just a a better end-to-end exposure and relationship building experience that we like to take advantage of. So we test everything from traditional methodologies and and media channels like telesales or even direct mail pieces all the way down to having a chatbot or leveraging AI and creating some responses. And We're really learning a lot, I think, based on different products and solutions in different countries and geographies. Certain things work better than others. And in some of our countries, you know, the preferred method of communication is WeChat over email. In other countries, it's LinkedIn. And in other countries, people love to go to the web to find information out from us. But if they want a report, they actually want the printed report delivered to them. So we've got to be very diverse and and understand who our audience is to create specifics. You mentioned that there's a hyper-focus for the user experience and really just that omni-channel experience. And you mentioned a couple of technologies, artificial intelligence, chatbots. Is there a specific initiative or technology that you're currently focused on that you think is going to correlate to you know, the most increased sales? I wish I had the answer. It makes my job a lot easier yeah. <laughs> if I could give you the, the answer on that. I think it's very different based on the market and the solution, you know, that we're in. So our wealth services, for example, are financial services and are very focused on being in compliance and following all the regulatory elements versus our career services, which have a lot more leeway in them and creativity that we can test out, which is very different than our health-related services, which in the U.S. follow one set of regulations and rules and outside of the U.S. follow a whole different set based on the country you're in and, and the way that the 
laws mandate that the services be offered. So it is very different for us across the board. One of the things that we've seen be extremely successful is the use of content in our distribution strategy. And actually, when I talk about that user experience, what we've learned and what we know is the user experience does not start when someone hits your website. The user experience starts when someone goes to the web, when they pull up a browser, whether it's a browser that they're searching on in Facebook, on Google, in Pinterest, on LinkedIn, or SlideShare. The minute that someone proactively goes to search for an answer is our opportunity to create the beginning of a great user experience. So by taking our content that has historically, and I'm sure like many other companies, been locked behind a website and distributing that online in really intelligent manners that leverage the algorithms that the Googles and Yahoo's and everybody else have have put into place so that we can showcase things in a really powerful and creative way is important to us and and it's really working. So one of the things that we've done for example because it is professional services and a lot of our deals are one based on the quality of our services, the history of our company, but also on the fact that you've got a great relationship with the consultant that you met, is we've started to put faces with solutions. So in some cases, if you go and search for a topic, yes, you're going to get the traditional Google page that has all the SEO and you know, keywords listed there just like everybody else. Maybe there's some SEM. But in the images gallery, or if you click on videos, you'll see little video snippets about that. And Yes, I can I can look up global mobility and I can see three sentences about it and try and differentiate why your global mobility services are better than mine or vice versa. But how cool is it when I type that up that Google shows a little video snippet of one of our expert consultants talking about global mobility trends at a recent conference. I mean, right there, you can see what the brand can do. You can see the person that's delivering it. We've created that human connection, and it's an experience that you haven't had anywhere else before. So that's an example of one of the ways we're doing it. Really cool. I, I kind of want to reiterate some of these things and find some of these correlations that this journey you just took us down. So your focus for growth for product and services, you'd mentioned a focus for user experience and how that is happening in all these channels. And so it's not necessarily testing with artificial intelligence and chatbots, which you're doing, but the thing that you're really more focused on or that you're seeing maybe uh, making a bigger impact is understanding that user journey and that it starts the search for the answer in these various channels. And this tactic that you're associating with it is tying a face to that solution and the face not necessarily being a customer, but someone within your organization that maybe is most relevant to answer that question or talk about that specific solution so that you're getting that company through line there with that expertise directly answering the question. Did I get that right or is there something I'm missing? No, you got it right. Cool, cool. Where did this idea come from, first of all? And second of all, how is it performing and, and what are you seeing from it? So the idea came across because we were inspired by one of our consultants that I've known for a very long time and worked with in the past. He is a founder of 
a company on YouTube that puts children's stories in an animated format on the web. And he started the company with his partners, you know, about 18 months ago, putting the videos out there and was looking for ways to distribute the content. And I think he spent maybe a total of, I'm not kidding when I say this, $5 to kickstart what he was doing for his content distribution and has found unique ways to grow the traffic to where he's getting millions of views every time they put a video up for free. It's all organic based on the traffic. And I think, you know, over the months in, in working with him and just talking with him, we, we started to look at what's interesting to people. And, and right now, and I don't know if this will be true in three years or five years from now, but right now, video content is hot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a mixed bag because people love watching funny videos. They love watching entertaining videos. But, you know, we've definitely seen in the B2B market, if I gave you the choice of downloading a white paper or watching a 20-minute video on the topic, in most cases, you're going to download the white paper because you don't have time to spend 20 minutes just focusing on what I'm saying. Yet you can read the white paper while you're on the train or the bus or, you know, waiting for something. So there's a place where video doesn't work, but when you're looking at exposure and innovation and just experience, video content is probably one of the hottest things, both B2B and B2C. So we took a look at what people were searching for when they were looking for things that Mercer offers, and we took a look at the fact that we have all of these experts who do nothing and except go around and inspire people in person-to-person, one-on-one presentations and workshops and breakfasts and conferences. Yet when they're done speaking and they leave the room, all of that great experience leaves with them. So we thought, what a great way to capitalize on the opportunity and the experience then to pull what they're doing and make it live in combination with search. So, I mean, that's kind of, we were inspired originally through the other idea, and we pulled that into how it works in the B2B consulting world, and, and we've kind of just run with it. It kind of sounds like the philosophy of uh, Marcus Sheridan. Have you heard of him before? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he wrote this book, They Ask You Answer, and it's a really cool book I read recently, and it kind of uh, the same thinking. What sort of results are you seeing from this? Like, Are they pretty drastic, or what is the outcome? Yeah. Well, it's a tough question for me to answer because um, before I moved into this role, the company was not spending much time on increased brand visibility with organic search or video. So my baseline was zero. So from zero (laughs) to what we're seeing, it's phenomenal. We are seeing that, as you would expect, that the brand visibility lift is generating more traffic to the sites, more calls to our consultants, more higher levels of RFPs and and bids. So we are in the process of evaluating the monetary impact, but not just that. You know, what we're also looking at are things throughout the sales funnel. Are these efforts enabling us to have shorter sales cycles in general? Because now, instead of just reading a few words about what Mercer can do, you're seeing someone talk about it, so you feel very comfortable by the time you get on the phone with a consultant. It's almost like we've we've taken you down the path a little bit. Or is it a scenario where maybe, because of the way that we've presented it to you, the average value of the sale is a higher dollar amount than what you've seen in the past with other efforts. So, you know, we're looking at all different aspects of what the impact of, of the brand efforts are. And I think the jury is still out on, on final numbers for those, but it's very encouraging and definitely something we're continuing to invest in. 
So with with this investment, and you mentioned a couple other areas, you, you mentioned you're testing in a lot of different areas and, and with a lot of different technologies. What challenges are you running into with maybe this initiative or in general that's prohibiting you from reaching that next level? That's a great question. I think we're not really running into a significant number of challenges to make it to the next level yet. We're, time is our only challenge. Mm. So we're, we're probably within the last five months putting all of these initiatives in market. So now where we are, like I said, I'm pragmatic person that just likes to look at things and analyze how they work very quickly, but also to make sure that we're not getting ahead of our skis. So where we are right now is analyzing the impact, and then we'll be going back to our CEO to share those results and, and look at how we can leverage growth with that broader on a more global basis and understanding then are certain markets more receptive to this than the ones that we've been running or testing in. You know, a lot of companies have the issue with the time, but knowing that they're doing the right thing with the time that they have. And when you're doing all of these different initiatives, I think maybe it's challenging to prioritize which one to focus on to give it time so that you know that you're actually you know, building the right tool or implementing the right initiative. So I guess, is that something that you guys have faced or do you have a, a pretty good prioritization mechanism in place that helps you focus? I've been a CMO for a really long time. And after, you know, 20, 25 years of being a CMO, you learn uh, rule number one is to identify your top two to three priorities and stick with those no matter how hard it is. And I think the hardest thing for anybody that's in a leadership role or, or definitely in a CMO role is to say no, because of course, everything sounds amazing. You want to test everything. You, you want to help everybody the best way that you can. But What's really important is to establish a foundation of what are the three to four things that are going to drive the biggest impact. And then from there, you use a methodical approach to test out different innovations around that, that in many cases, the, fa- the learnings from the failures are probably more valuable than the, the learnings from the successes. There's, if you can stay focused and just very disciplined on how you approach that, you don't run into that time crunch necessarily because you, you fail fast or you win fast and then you can continue to grow from there. Love it. And so what's the coolest thing you're working on right now that you want everyone to check out? Gosh, that's a great question. There's so many cool things that we have going on right now. You can only pick one. If I'm going to pick one, I'm going to say Mercer Digital. We just recently, a few months ago, launched a new initiative called Mercer Digital, where we are marrying you know, all of the incredible insights that we have on the people side of our house with consulting services and everything related to vision and future about HR technology and the future of work with some of the coolest technology platforms that are out there. We're creating this ecosystem that keeps any company ahead of the curve as far as taking advantage of solutions. So it's, it's a great, great resource, a great destination, great experience, and something that is very unique. We didn't build a website that just sits there. It's, it's kind of a living and breathing website. So it's, it frequently has different content and is really engaging. And is there a URL for that we can go check out? You can go to mercer.com forward slash digital, or you can go to Google and you can type in Mercer Digital and you can see some of our ads around there. <laughs> yeah, search for the answer, right? Start at the search. There you go. Um, awesome. Yeah, I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes so that people can have that direct link there. Perfect. That'd be great. So everyone make sure to go check out 
mercer.com forward slash digital or go to Google and search for Mercer and see some of these awesome videos with people that pop up that you can check out that we mentioned. And also make sure to tune in this Friday for our rapid fire round where Jeannie will be sharing some of her most valuable resources. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jeannie. It was a pleasure to have you on to learn more about Mercer, to learn more about what you're up to over there. Just to hear your entrepreneurial story and, and how it started with fortune cookies. So cool. So again, thank you for the, the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I really enjoyed speaking with you too. Hey, thank you for listening. Make sure to tune in this Friday for this week's guest resources from our rapid fire question round. And I'm always happy to be a resource in any way that I can. So visit emergemobilefirst.com to reach out to me directly or for additional insights, resources, and bonus tools that can help catapult your organization to the next level. Until next time, think mobile first.